let me look into the camera as always say hi to everybody watching from home you are so welcome and we pray that god will really minister to you right where you are at that you will experience his tangible presence and that he will really really answer your prayers this morning this is our prayer amen and for you guys who came out in person as well you know you're getting the best deal right come on uh, they're not convinced okay <laughs> Okay, let me start in, in the best way I know how, and that's with a joke. Tom had this problem of getting up late in the morning and was always late for work. His boss was mad at him and threatened to fire him if he didn't do something about it. So Tom went to his doctor, who gave him a pill and told him to take it before he went to bed. Tom slept, slept well and in fact beat the alarm in the morning by almost two hours. He had a leisurely breakfast, drove cheerfully to work. Boss, he said... The pull actually worked. That's all fine, said the boss, but where were you yesterday? <laughs> so you had the right place at the right time, and God's going to do the right thing in your life. Amen. So this morning, I've got a lot of material to go through as usual, and I just want to drop, uh, I want to chat to you around the idea of drop the rocks. I know it sounds like a bad rap song, but drop the rocks, and it's going to make sense as we go through the message how many of you know what this is let me show you the picture there you must be of a certain age to understand what that is right yeah it's old uh, bunny ear aerial so when i was a small boy we used to go and visit my grandparents a lot and they had one of these tvs and i don't mean to sound old or anything can i just say that kids have it easy today come on you know there, there wasn't even remotes back then so you can stream TV on your cell phone in color. That was like an added bonus. You were part of the rich crowd if you had a color TV back in the day. Come on, how many of you remember that? <laughs> Amen. So my, my sister and I, if we wanted to watch the A-Team, how many of you remember the A-Team? Come on, suck a fool. Yeah. You know, we had to take turns to wiggle those antennas and uh, if you just got it right you got picture you know if you didn't get it right ba baracus turned into a white dude <laughs> seeing a white dude with that much bling around his neck that's something that stays with a man the rest of your life okay so the screen the screen will turn into static snowflakes as soon as you miss the frequency today many christians are dialed into the wrong frequency when it comes to God. You know, it is because we have mixed up the two covenants. And as Christians, we have this tendency to go back to the law, to go back to Ten Commandments because it is so practical. Because it tells us what to do, what not to do. It tells you what to wear or not to wear. It tells you what to eat and not to eat. It tells you to love your wife but it doesn't tell you how practically how do i love my wife it cannot tell you how to raise your children godly and with wisdom it cannot tell you how to be a good employee how to be a good boss how to be a good business owner but if we go to the law family we are living in the wrong dispensation how many of you get what i'm saying our righteousness we've established over the years in this church is a righteousness by faith, not by works anymore. 
And because Christians are mixing the two covenants, you know, they are making two cardinal errors. Number one is they are expecting judgment from God the whole time. You might say to me, well, Pastor, I, I, don't, I don't expect judgment from God. Ever messed up and then had to ask God for something? Oh, God can't, you know, I haven't been a good boy or girl this week, so I don't know if God can really answer that prayer. So you sort of come to God like <laughs> expecting a smack. The second thing is they are falling back into works-based religion. My friend, the more we live on the frequency of the law, the more we frustrate the grace of God. Amen? And I'm going to get real practical in this message so that you can see how entrenched this is in our Christian walk. So Ephesians 2 verse 8 in the Amplified Bible says, For it is by free grace, say free grace, God's unmerited favor. How many of you can do with God's unmerited favor in your life? Come on. That you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through faith. Through what? Through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it's a gift from God of, of God. You see, you, you need to know that the devil is the accuser of the brethren and sistren. Amen. Sometimes he uses the sistren person. No, we're not going to go there. Okay. And like the religious leaders of Jesus' day, he will use the law to, 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 to accuse and disqualify you. You see, that's the one thing he wants to do the whole time is to disqualify you. To make, he cannot disqualify you. Actually, he wants to make you feel like you are disqualified. He wants to make you believe the lie that God is not pleased with you. And how does he do that? By pouring out guilt and condemnation. Now, family, you need to understand. The devil doesn't show up himself. He doesn't send a demon a little monkey, your way, and, you know, make you feel guilty. That's not how he's going to do it. You're going to hear something. You're going to read an article online or just see so. And, oh, yeah, you know what? Um, if you eat so much sugar in a day, you're going to get diabetes and this and that. And what is that called? It's called guilt. And before you realize it, your mind is already went down the gutter of condemnation. Yeah, you see, I must do better. Or you'll read an article in the business section of the newspaper about, about um, retirement, about spending. Oh, yeah, you know, I really need to spend better. I, I, I haven't made the best, you know, investments I could. And immediately, what's that called? It's called you're going down a trial of guilt and condemnation. He's not going to come. Yeah. Or you'll sit and you'll just scroll through social media and uh, 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 a sermon excerpt will come up. I'll never forget years ago I was scrolling and I, I don't do this. I don't watch Christian TV but <laughs> for, for many reasons. But <laughs> I was, uh, and a guy came up 
He's very well known today. And he recounted the whole story. I literally sat there. My mouth was hanging up. I couldn't believe that this was being broadcast. And this guy just went on like, it's the judgment of God on that sister. It's the judgment of God on that sister. Something happened in their church. And, and immediately you feel, well, if God can judge that sister, he can maybe judge me as well. Come on. He'll come like an angel of light, the Bible says. He will pour out guilt and condemnation. And many Christians and Christian leaders may be sincere, but they are dialed in on the wrong frequency because all they hear is judgment and condemnation. So they, they, they operate on the wrong side of the cross. But Jesus, family, you need to understand as He came to set us free from guilt and condemnation. John 8 verse 2 to 11 says, I want to read you the story. It's a well-known story, but we're just going to study it this morning and draw some truths from this. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. And then they added this little bit, in the very act. Now, I've got so many questions just around that little statement. <laughs> Like, what did your day at the office look like, Mr. Scribe and Pharisee? That you caught this woman in the very act. Right? What were you busy with? What is written up in your diary at 11 a.m., 12 p.m.? You know, just, just asking. Okay? Now, Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. So they go to the... Lord, they bring Jesus to the dispensation of the law and say, okay, if you're a rabbi, if you're a teacher, right? How do we solve this problem? Because Moses was clear on it. But what do you say? <laughs> this they said, testing him that they might, might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he, is without, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a, a stone at her first. <laughs> I love Jesus. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Wonder what he was writing, but scripture doesn't say. My imagination goes wild, but let's leave it there. Then those who heard it being convicted of, by their conscience went out one by one beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and a woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, and listen to how Jesus talks to this lady. Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Oh, this is so beautiful. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Isn't that the heart of our Savior? Right? This, these words, neither do I condemn you. If that is all that you remember this morning and take home with you, it's worth your while. That you can sit here and know that Jesus is saying to you, neither do I condemn you. And we'll see why this is such an important statement by Jesus in a couple of moments. You see, guilt and condemnation makes people angry. 
When you operate on the frequency of the law, it makes you bloodthirsty because someone needs to pay. In the dispensation of the law, you must remember our perfect mediator, Jesus, has not yet paid the price for our sins. Because people under the law, they are still waiting for the payment of sins, right? Okay, let me explain it to you like this. And, and I've used this illustration. I'm not trying. It's the best illustration. We as South Africans, we get the best deal. Say, for instance, you walked in here this morning. And some of you, older generation, you will understand what I'm talking about. And there were signs up here. Whites only. Were you going to listen to that sign? Izzy, you were going to come in, right? Why? Of course you were going to come in. Why? Hopefully you guys were going to come in. You're going to come in. Why? Because that sign represents the old dispensation of the apartheid government. Those laws does not stand anymore. Say thank you, Jesus. Amen? So how can we give heed to a law from a previous dispensation? And that is exactly the difference between the old and the new covenant. We cannot give heed to laws that's not in effect anymore. Amen. Does that make sense now? But some people still adhere to the old laws in their hearts. And you can see them by their moustaches and their fourth cards. I mean, no, I'm just teasing. Okay. <laughs> right. It manifests physically. Okay. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. <laughs> if you drive a fourth, it's just a joke. Just a joke. Please put the 58 away. Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but let's be honest. Some people still hold on to the old in their heart. And you hear them in their speech. You hear the way they talk. You, you see the way they react to you, how they speak to you. And some Christians are still living under the old dispensation. And in the story we see, this bloodthirsty attitude of the scribes and the Pharisees. I'm sure these guys carried bags of stones with them just in case someone around them sinned. Like just they were packing. <laughs> right? Amen. I'm certain in the morning they were doing stretches and like uh, uh, warm-ups. Don't know who's in need of a good stoning today. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Can you imagine... How people under the law must have been so sin conscious that when they looked at the ground, they saw the stones, they saw the rocks. It acted as a warning. Watch out, punishment might be coming to you. When they saw these custodians of the law, they knew, listen, walk in line. You never know when a rock is going to hit you in the head. You see, the law's currency is guilt and condemnation. Because the Bible says in the book of Galatians that it's a tutor telling you how wrong you are, not how right you are. And today's those stones, look, they, they look different. 
There are stones and rocks of accusation, stones and of, of guilt and stones of condemnation that's flying around us. All because we've taken the most important figure out of the story. When we take Jesus out of our own life story, guilt and condemnation will hit you every day. Come on. When we take Jesus out of the picture, judgment is all that you can expect. Instead of goodness, grace and favor. And this woman who were caught in sin knew that judgment was staring her in the face. She knew that humiliation was not enough for the scribes and Pharisees. They wanted her dead. They wanted her stoned. But they weren't only after her blood. They were after Jesus' blood as well. Right? If they only knew that His blood was the answer. <laughs> Look at their arrogance and self-righteous pride. They say to Him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act you know what I would have done if I was Jesus? Right, like I would have indulged in the flesh a bit. How many of you remember Horatio Cain from CSI Miami? The, the red-headed dude. Like I would just put on my sunglasses and go, really? How convenient. I thought you needed two people to commit this sin. Right? Ta-da-da! <laughs> Come on. So, but... And the story would start, right? I mean, <laughs> Pastor, you're too much TV. I know, right? But, but Jesus doesn't do that. I mean, twice he stooped down, wrote on the ground. Now watch this. He stooped down, went to the ground where this woman's damnation, the weapons of her damnation lay waiting to be picked up and slung at her. I'm very sure that when Jesus stooped down, she thought he was stooping down to pick up a rock. But he made one statement. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. What was he saying to them? <laughs> this is where it gets so cool. He was saying to them, listen, not one of you are qualified to judge her. Not one of them were without sin. Except who? Jesus. <laughs> Amen. And one by one, the stones began to fall to the ground. Like, doof, 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 as people realized. Amen. You see, my friend, as we bring Jesus into the picture, the rocks and the stones of guilt and condemnation will begin to fall powerlessly to the ground. All the guilt that you might have brought in here with you, all the condemnation that's weighing you down, all the accusations from your present and your past that the devil is trying to use to kill and destroy your life begins to fall powerlessly to the ground. Now, I just need to stop you for a moment. I, Pastor, yeah, that is nice. It's cute, but I don't know if that's me. I don't know if that's me, to be honest with you. How many of you wake up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror, and goes like, mm, I can do better? That's guilt and condemnation. 
How many of you look back over your life and I should have done better financially? That's guilt and condemnation. How many of you have daydreamed about what if my life turned out different? That's guilt and condemnation. I don't think there's a person who doesn't struggle with that. Come on. Amen. You see, and the following, the following statement by Jesus is the one that should help the church today dial into the right frequency. It's a statement that should make any stone of accusation and condemnation and guilt fall to the ground. He says, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. What are you saying, Norman? Didn't this woman sin? Can we sin without being guilty? No, my friend. She was caught in the very act, remember? Right? PG-18. She was guilty. Right? Just like you and I, we are guilty. Jesus is saying to her, Listen, I'm the only one qualified to condemn you. I'm the only one was able to fulfill the law of Moses to the tiniest detail. I am the Passover lamb, but I do not condemn you. Now has the law gone soft on sin? Has God dropped his standards? Anything goes these days? No, my friend. If God should have done that, he would have been unjust. God's standard is the same. How many of you understand that? Right, Your sin, my sin, every person's sin on the planet, here's the key, was already punished. It was punished in the body of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That is why Jesus has the power to say, and he knew he was going to fulfill this, and he says, neither do I condemn you. That is why scripture now, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, tells us in Romans 8 verse 1, reading from the Amplified, therefore, there is now, what? Come on, say it like you mean it. No condemnation. No judging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is that you? Is that me? Yes, it is. There is there, therefore, no condemnation nation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. That is such a powerful statement. Can you imagine what your life will look like if you can live without condemnation and guilt? Come on. Some of you are already planning your meal based on that statement for this afternoon. I mean, I'll show you how no condemned I am. I mean, why is guilt and condemnation so dangerous? Just three things quickly. I'm closing with this. Amen. Number one, condemnation is like invisible poison. Many people are seeing the symptoms of it in their lives, but they don't realize they are taking it. Was it one of the... Um, Russian or Ukrainian politicians that were poisoned by those around him bit by bit by bit and, you, 
and then you see the picture of him before the poison and after the poison. And it looks bad, right? <laughs> and and that's, that's guilt and condemnation. It's like a poison. You don't realize you're taking it. But Daisy the Malchus, she's giving it to you bit by bit by bit. You wanted to marry her, now you're paying the price. Okay, never mind. Some of you just go and read up on South African crime history. <laughs> so, but they don't realize they're taking it. And then anger, bitterness, depression. All these things are fruits of the root of condemnation. Right? Many of us don't struggle with anger. Depressing thoughts. And I think, to be honest with you, in South Africa at the moment, many of us, many of us are really struggling with depression. Many people. Because of the circumstances we find ourselves in. Can I say to you that it is a spirit and you need to deal with it on a spiritual level? It is a stronghold. A spiritual stronghold in our nation at the moment don't allow it to win you you've got Jesus you've got hope you've got a future God is on your side amen you are in Christ therefore you are Abraham's seed you're an heir according to the promise the promise doesn't say if the climate is okay if you know the financial climate is okay. If there's no load shedding, then you're an heir of Christ. No, you are an heir of Christ. Come on, somebody. Therefore, there is hope for you in Jesus' name. Therefore, your future is bright. Therefore, God is on your side. Therefore, you will have breakthrough. You will prosper in the midst of a famine because of Jesus. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. amen. Condemnation says, well, you have to be punished. And I believe people are instinctively punishing themselves. You get people sabotaging their own relationships. Just as things things starting to go right for you, you sabotage it in some way, some form, because there is a root of condemnation in your heart. Don't allow that root of condemnation in your heart. You need to wake up in the morning and say, well, there is no condemnation because I am in Christ Jesus. Because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, I have a future and a hope. I'm guilt-free. I'm justified. I'm righteous before my heavenly Father. Maybe something from your past is plaguing you. Maybe you've done something. You've kept it secret. You're living with that secret. I pray in Jesus' name that that root of condemnation will be uprooted and the Holy Spirit will give you the practical wisdom to deal with that. Amen? Here's the second thing. Okay, now let me move on. Okay. Guilt is highly contagious. Like not even a mask is going to help for it. Amen? (laughs) If, If one family of a member of a family suffers from it, it is bound to spread throughout that whole household. I'm saying this as a warning to you guys. Because guilt is the best projector ever. It keeps on projecting. If you're feeling guilty, you're going to raise your children feeling guilty. People who suffer from guilt and condemnation will try and make others feel guilty without even realizing what they are doing. 
It changes your vocabulary, the way you speak. It changes the way you speak to your spouse, your children, your loved ones. Watch your mouth. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, your, your word, if your word has an accusing tone the whole time, watch out. Amen? Watch yourself. Watch the root in your heart. You don't understand the pressure I'm under. Why must I do everything in this house? Don't you care about how hard I work? That is the tone of guilt. Amen? And manipulation. Come on, family. Don't go quiet on me now. When the sermon is getting good. Amen? No, no, and I'm not saying this to put condemnation on you. But the word is a mirror. Here's the thing. You, you, do, you, do you want to be rid of these things in your life? Always have a teachable spirit. Simple. Just be humble enough to say, hey, that's me. I'm guilty. Lord, help me change this in my life. Amen? But if you're defensive, you're like, why do you know what's going on in my house? Eh? We didn't get yet, Moniki. You know, then, then already it shows you that there's a root in your heart. Pray God that He will give you the grace to uproot that. He wants you to live free, family. He wants you to live in joy. He wants you to live in peace. In the midst of load shedding. In the midst of all the craziness that's happening in the world. Even if our government does give weapons to Russia, you can still live in joy and peace. Amen? At least they're giving you a free show. You can just sit there with your popcorn like, what's happening today? Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm protected. Amen. A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand. It will not come near me and my family in Jesus' name. But I'm enjoying the show. Amen. So, family, God wants you to live in joy and peace. It's not going to happen if there's a root of guilt and condemnation. And the only way can be rid of that is by knowing that you are right with God that's why this message is the meat I believe that Paul spoke about in the in in the epistles amen guilt number three and this is like a duh but it does it affects your behavior watch this Judas and Peter both betrayed Jesus remember that both had remorse However, one committed suicide, one ran to Jesus. He ran back to Jesus. No matter how good your intentions are, when you are poisoned with guilt and condemnation, it will destroy your good intentions. Like you get performance enhancing drugs in sports. It's Tour de France again, talking about that. <laughs> and all the cyclists just like, really, was that necessary? They are all juicing, Gareth. We know it. Amen. (laughs) Lance is still the best that was out there. Amen. Guilt is a performance slowing drug. Does that make sense? It It will slow your performance. You intend to do the right thing, but guilt and shame will make you do the opposite. Okay, you don't believe me. Diets. Yes. Some of you are crying. Some of you are laughing. 
<laughs> Leanne, it looked like you were bursting out in tears now. You don't need diets. You need food. You need to eat more. Can somebody just buy a muffin as she goes out, please? Okay. <laughs> but you want to do the right thing, but you end up doing the opposite. Or in your own strength, you're doing the right thing for at least three days. Like, yeah, next week, it's muffin time again, you know, with extra chocolate and stuff in it. It is just, you want to do what's right, but you end up doing wrong. That shows you your heart is not established in grace yet. Does that make sense? Family. How to be free then? Pastor, if that is true, right believing leads to right living. Love what Pastor Joseph Prince said years ago. Right believing leads to right living. Actually, in fact, I think it was Dr. Jim Richards who said it first. Jesus is not a stone that will kill you. Jesus is the rock of your salvation. Amen? He's the one on whom our salvation is built. It's all about Him. Last scripture in Romans 5, 9 says, Therefore, this is you. If you've accepted Jesus, this is your reality. This is your truth. So let's go to the contract. What does the contract say about your life? What is your rights? Therefore, since we are now justified, acquitted, made righteous, and brought into right relationship with God by Christ's blood, how much more certain is it that we shall be saved by Him from the indignation and wrath of God? Isn't that amazing, family? Listen, you are justified, acquitted. What does acquitted mean? It means there were charges against you, but it's dropped. You are found not guilty. Amen? You are made righteous. Oh, family, do you know what that means? Go and look through the Old Testament right through to the New. What belongs to the righteous? Just Proverbs 10. Just, can, can, oh, can I just do this for you? Just help you for a moment here? Because I can see you need it. What, what belongs to you? Just, this is what belongs to you. You're righteous, right? You've accepted Jesus. Amen? Blessings are on the head of the righteous. Proverbs 10. As you walk into the work tomorrow, as you go into your reality tomorrow, as South Africans, as we live in this nation, regardless of what's happening in the country, Blessings are on the head of the righteous. You wear it like a crown. Wherever you go, why, why, on, why, why on the head of the righteous? Because of my beautiful hairstyle, I wear a lot of hats. Amen. Those hats go with me wherever I go. It protects me. It covers me. Amen. Wherever you go, you carry those blessings with you like a crown. Amen. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. Who's the righteous? You are. Your mouth is a well of life, not a pit of defeat and death. 
That means when you speak, it brings life to people. You say the right things at the right time. Going to an interview, you know, going to, to, to a client to maybe sign a contract. Thank you, Lord. I'm your righteous child. My mouth is a well of life. I will say what they need to hear. Amen. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. <laughs> Who's the righteous? You are. So, what does that mean? That your tongue is choice silver. It speaks of redemption. So, silver speaks of redemption. When you raise your children, when you speak to your children or your grandchildren, what is your tongue? You speak life over them. You speak redemption over them. Come on, family. Amen? The lips of the righteous feed many. What does that mean? It means, family, that now your influence is so much wider. You feed many. People listen to you. People want to hear you speak. That's verse 21. Amen. Verse 31. The mouth of the righteous bring forth wisdom. Who's the righteous? <laughs> you are. So what is, what is what happens? You bring forth wisdom. You speak wisdom beyond your years, beyond your experience. Come on. Isn't this so beneficial, family? Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor, you know what? We come from the Dlaminis and the Fanamervas. When we speak, we, you know, it's just not anymore because you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Now you bring forth wisdom. You can, man, you could speak Elizabethan English. Thou child, why are those clothes lying on the ground? Thou must pick it up. <laughs> you know, that's not what it means. No, it brings forth wisdom. Watch this, watch this. The lips of the righteous, verse 32. Who's the righteous? You are. Know what is acceptable. You know what is acceptable. You speak the right things at the right time. When you teach those children in school, Come on. When you teach those children in school. I just caught you on your phone. Wait a minute. You're a teacher. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice one. I'm looking at the scripture post. That's what your kids say in class as well. Huh? The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. You know what's happening in those two. You don't know what's happening in their homes, in their lives. You can see there's trouble. But because you are the righteousness of God in Christ, this is your prayer now. Lord, I know what is acceptable. I know what they need to hear. And because I'm your righteousness, I will speak life to them. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Can I just say to you, guilt is never a good motivator. Because it cannot yield lasting results. Don't raise your children in guilt. Make them feel guilty. No. Establish them in their identity. You're a righteous child of God. We always say to our kids, from little, you are a Jesus boy, you are a Jesus girl. And that's not how we behave. Not to put guilt on them, 
but to establish them. And God, this is what God does. He establishes you in your identity always. You are righteous. But pastor, I messed up this week. Pastor, I really, I, I, I missed it so bad. Doesn't change what Jesus has done on the cross for you. You are still the righteousness of God in Christ. Your sin is not stronger than the blood of Jesus. Nothing you have done can nullify what Christ has done on the cross. Therefore, nothing can change your righteous standing before God. Amen? Well, Pastor, what about the sins I'm going to commit? Are you planning on sinning? Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm just teasing. Of course we're going to sin. It's the flesh. Amen? Remember, all your sins were future when Jesus died on the cross. <laughs> Amen? It's forgiven. You are righteous. Now let that sink in as you go into this week. That you are righteous. You are righteous. How does that change things now for you? Knowing that truth. Because I don't feel righteous. It's got nothing to do with your feelings or how you feel. We are not driven by our emotions. We are driven by the fact of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross of Calvary. Your emotions will fall in line the more you walk in your identity. Amen? You will walk in joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Even if circumstances are not going your way, joy is my strength. I'll be filled with joy. I will smile. I'll be happy. Because my whole being needs to come in line with what Christ has accomplished on the cross. My whole being. And that is my reality. That is my truth. This is the only way. Family, I've been doing this for a long time. You can see it by the color of my hair. Amen. So, <laughs> skin color, brother. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've, I've preached vehemently against sin. I was one of those angry preachers. I can tell you one thing. Not one person changed under that ministry. There might be behavior modification for a short while, for a week or two. Then people will come back with the same sins, the same issues. But since I've preached in 20, 2009, I, we got this revelation. And slowly but surely, those of you who've been with us for years, you know. As we've pre preached faith, righteousness... People are being set free. People are walking in liberty. Does it take longer? Yes, it does. It does. Because it's an identity change. But your whole life will change. Amen? It is truly the only way to overcome sin in our lives. Shortcomings. The most committed people. The most generous people. Those who not, do I tithe on the net or the gross or all of that kind of nonsense? Like really, pastor, do we have to do this? Do we have to do that? Faith righteousness changes our lives completely.
Amen. I pray that this morning this will drop from your head to your heart. Every eye closed, every head bowed. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are justified, we are made right in Jesus' name. Maybe you are watching at home. Maybe you are here this morning. You're like, Pastor, I hear what you say about faith righteousness. But I've, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I've, I've never prayed that prayer. I've never consciously invited Him into my life. And today, I really want to, I want to do that. If you're watching at home and you feel that unction in your heart, I'm talking to you. Just take the next 40, 50 seconds because it's going to change your destiny forever. And if you know that, Pastor, you know what? If I should blow out my last breath within the next 24 hours, I don't know where I will open up my eyes, heaven or hell. Family, it's real. If you're uncertain about that question, if there's any inkling of doubt in your heart, you don't have to live with that doubt a minute longer. Today you can be sure of the salvation that's available to you. It's free. You've just heard it. Because the next question is like, well, how do I do it? Do I, do I need to change my life? Do I need to join a church? Do I need to change the way I dress? None of that's got anything to do with it. Those are just the fruits that come afterwards. No, my friend, it's a simple prayer where you invite Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. And maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you've been coming for a while, but today the penny has dropped. Today you realize for the first time what it's all about. It made sense and the light has gone on. If that is you, will you give me the privilege and honor of just leading you in this simple prayer? Is that it, Pastor? It's a simple prayer. Just inviting Him into your life. And the prayer is simple. Pray this with us. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I'm a sinner. Therefore, I qualify for your grace. Today, I ask you to forgive me my sins. And I receive the free gifts of grace and righteousness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that because of that, I am now justified and made righteous before my Heavenly Father. I am now a child of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand all over this place. Listen, if you've prayed that prayer for the very first time, please, please write to us if you're watching from home. Just contact us on the platform that you're watching this on. And then also, if you are here, just grab one of these. It's for free. It explains the decision that you've made. And then also, listen, just on another note, if you haven't, if you haven't received your new newsletter, please get it. This is the old one, but there's new ones for this month. I wrote something in there that I really want you about partnership that I really want you to go and study and consider and uh, just get back to us on that. Amen.
You glad you came? It's time for the Holy Communion and my holy brother, Pastor Mpo. Yes, the man of God. Come on, let's give him a hand. Doesn't he look good this morning? Can take up. Thank you, Pastor Norman. Good morning, church. As the ashes are passing through the communion, I'm just going to read two scriptures for us. The first one is the one that we normally read for communion, which is 1 Corinthians 11, 26 to 23. But I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version, so that, classics rather, so that you, you understand it and you see what I'm getting to. So verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord himself that which I passed on to you, it was given to me personally that the Lord Jesus Christ on the night he was betrayed treacherously delivered up and while he was, his betrayer was in progress took bread. So while his betrayal was in progress, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body which is given to you. Now, this is what I want you to get. Do this to call me. Do this to call me affectionately to remembrance. We do this to call him affectionately to remembrance. Amen? And similarly, when supper ended, he took the cup also saying, this cup is the new covenant, ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, to call me affectionately to remembrance. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are representing and signifying and proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes Amen. So we do this to call him to remembrance. To call him to remembrance. The second one, Mark 11, 22 to 24. It wasn't written by Daddy Hagen. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so it says, verse 22, And Jesus replying said to them, Have faith in God constantly. Have faith in God constantly. Truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. For this reason I am telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. Keywords, whoever. So it's not limited to pastors. It's not limited to prophets. It's not limited to preachers. It's whoever says. Amen? So we have been given the authority to say. So whoever says to the mountain, the question is, what is the mountain that is standing before you? 
we've just dealt with two of the mountains, guilt and condemnation. What are you struggling with right now? What are you struggling with? Physically, what are you struggling with? Emotionally, what are you struggling with? Psychologically, we spoke of depression. What are you struggling with? That is a mountain. And the only way to deal with that mountain is to speak to the mountain. That's what the Bible says. That's what we just read. We call him to remembrance because he died for us. He gave us a new covenant. What is the, cover, what is the new covenant? Faith in God. And when we have faith in God, we become like God. Because we're created in the image and the likeness of God. And he restored that by his death on the cross. So we have been restored to become and to operate and to function as God. And what does God do when he's facing a situation? He speaks to the situation. The Lord Jesus Christ was sleeping and there was a storm. And they woke him up. And guess what? He didn't even addressed them directly. He spoke to the storm. After dealing with the storm, he dealt with their faith. So right now, he has dealt with our faith. And I have just shared with you what our faith is. Our faith is in God. And we have been given the authority and the privilege to be able to do what? To speak to things. So whatever mountain you are dealing with right now, when we take this communion, before you receive it, before you take it, I want you to just spend a minute, speak to that mountain. Be it emotionally, be it financially, be it your business, be it your career. Speak to that mountain and you tell it to go and it will be gone and it will be flattened. If there's a valley, speak to the valley and it will be flattened and you will have your life the way you want it, the way God has purposed it. Just spend two minutes, a few seconds, speak to the mountain. Use your voice. Use the authority that's been given to you. Father, we thank you that we can come right now before you and present every mountain that your children are speaking to right now. And Father, I agree with them that the mountains have been removed from them. Whatever mountain they are presenting before you right now and they are speaking to right now, it has been removed. I receive their breakthrough right now. I receive their answers right now. I thank you, Father, that you are faithful. I thank you, Lord, that you do not change. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us the authority to speak to whatever circumstance that they are facing right now. Those that need healing, we receive it right now. Those that need financial breakthrough, we receive it right now. We receive it, Father, because you have given us the authority over all circumstances that we are facing. And Lord, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe it, say, I believe it, I receive it, let's partake of communion. You may have your bread and your cup.
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for delivering your children, Lord. We thank you that guilt and condemnation has been cancelled. We thank you that healing has been delivered upon your children right now. We thank you, Father, that answered prayers, changed circumstances, changed situations, Lord. It's what your children are walking into. Victory in all areas of their lives. We thank you right now. I call them blessed because you have blessed them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, who's doing offering? Brother Gareth, yes. I'm like, uh, I don't see the other guy. <laughs> Mr. G. Good morning, church. Personally, I'm a planner that needs to plan out and think about these offerings in advance. But I was in a, th a situation on Thursday that I'm going to quickly testify to you about. And I had such a warm feeling come over me. It wasn't an audible voice of the Lord, but I just knew I had to testify about this situation today. So I want to read from Malachi 3, verse 10 to 12 from the Amplified Bible. Bring all the tithes, the tenth, into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a great blessing, there is no more room to receive it. Then I will rebuke the devourer, devourer, insects and plague for your sake. And he will not destroy the fruits of your ground, nor will your vine in the field drop its grapes before harvest, says the Lord of hosts. All nations shall call you happy and blessed, for you shall be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So I went to see a customer this week in Brahm Fisherville. Um, for those of you who don't know, that's in Soweto. I arranged with the customer to be there at half past three on Thursday afternoon. And when I got there, he wasn't there. So I had to sit outside his house and wait. A few minutes later, a few minutes went by and there was a knock on my window. Total stranger, I'd never met this man before. So I had to decide if I was gonna open the window. But I did open and he was just there to tell me that he worked for the guy I was there to see and the customer's on the way. Another few minutes passed and there was another knock on my window. Again, I had to decide this is a total stranger. Am I gonna open my window? And I did. And then this man starts asking me questions about his car. So we, we chatted for a while and I said to him, I don't really know anything about cars, so everything I'm telling you is just my opinion, but if you give me a piece of wood, I can work miracles for you. So he says to me, oh, so you, you know wood? Well, I know wood, and he rattles off a, whole names of, a few names of wood. He tells me about machines that he's used. He is a woodworker, but he's out of work because of COVID. He sits on the side of the road in Bromfisherville selling sweets and cold drinks. We chatted for a while, he left, and a few minutes later my customer arrived. We had our meeting and I came home. But when you look at Malachi 3 verse 10, you always think that God is going to pour out cash over you as a blessing. Tithing is not just about money, 
as much as we think. God says, test him with tithing. So what I mean by that is, I drove into an area that is not, might not be considered very safe to a lot of people. But no harm came over me because I'm a tither. And part of God's pouring out a blessing is protection. So I was protected. I met a guy who does woodwork. And if I had decided not to go and see that customer on the day because maybe it's not a safe area, I would never have met this man. But because I'm a tither, there was favor on my life. And because I'm a tither, there's favor on other people's lives around me. And I did the quote for the customer on Friday, and he accepted the price. Because I'm a tither, there's favor on the works of my hands. There are many components to God's blessing. God's blessing is protection over our lives. God's blessing is favor over our lives. God's blessing is healing over our lives. And yes, God's blessing is financial. Because the church needs to get money via a legitimate source. That is not to say that bad things are not going to happen to us. But the consequences and the effects of those bad things will be less because we are tithers. If you are not sure about tithing, it's one of the very few times in the Bible where God says, test me. So test him. Take him at his word and test him. Start tithing or tithe more and see how your life changes. Not just financially, but in every area. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity to give into your kingdom. We pray that you would take this money and use it for your glory. And that this week coming, you would pour out a blessing on every person here that gives. I pray that people will see a difference in their lives this week because they are taking you at your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, the ushers are going to pass around baskets. There's other ways to give. EFT, SnapScan. Awesome. Thanks so much. You guys think Gareth looks like a mechanic? <laughs> like that's the guy you want next to you if your car breaks down. <laughs> Is there a rent for the sticker on your bucky? Okay, then not. <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks. Boston Paul. Thanks, Gareth. Guys, glad you came. Awesome. Just sit like this. I'm going to proclaim a blessing over you. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon each and every one of you. Thank you, Lord, that as we go into this coming week, Lord, we've got a confident expectation of good because your favor surrounds us as a shield. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are justified and righteous. Therefore, Lord, wherever we go, we will get preferential treatment. Lord, I pray that you will open up our eyes to see the blessings that you are pouring out over us, Lord Jesus. That things are not as bad as the enemy wants us to believe. We are blessed. Wherever we go, Lord Jesus, we bring your blessing. We bring your anointing. We thank you, Lord, that you open up doors that we need to walk through, close doors that we need to stay out of. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we know that we are protected. Lord Jesus, we pray Psalm 91 over our whole church, spirit, soul, and body. Lord, we are protected. You, you protect us from any evil, from any sickness or disease, from any virus, mutated virus, in the name of Jesus. 
I thank you, Lord Jesus, us and our loved ones. We are saved because we are your precious children. If you believe it, shout amen, somebody. Bless you guys as you go. Please join us for some coffee and tea in the back. Thank you.